everyone, and thanks for joining us on this episode of Swim Upstream, a podcast devoted to engineering team leads and dev tool enthusiasts. I'm Tom, co-founder of Swim, and today we're talking with Ryan Atkins. Ryan has had a fascinating career. A graduate of Stanford University, Ryan was a physics, computer science, and math teacher before working for some of the best companies in the Bay Area, Dropbox, Stripe, and now Asana. At Asana, he's an engineering operations lead. Hi, Ryan. We're excited to have you on. Hello. Thanks for coming to speak with me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So we have a great set of questions for you today. So let's jump right in. Uh, Ryan, at Swim, we take coffee way too seriously. Uh, so to start things off, uh, if you could have coffee anywhere, where would it be this morning? Well, I'm having coffee right now. Uh, in my office. I wish I were having it in Costa Rica because Costa Rica, in my opinion, has the best coffee. If you haven't been there, you should try to go to Costa Rica. I, I haven't been there. I have, uh, I've had coffee from Costa Rica, but I, I imagine it's not the same experience at all. <laughs> Got to be there in person. It's great. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, hopefully this this is over, but you know, this part, this past year and a half have been mostly focused on adjusting uh, to new realities of COVID-19. And um, what's one thing you learned to live without that surprised you? This is kind of surprising, but I would say driving, just like not having to really go anywhere and just driving way less. I always love driving, being in control and um, exploring, but it turns out it's kind of overrated. It's kind of nice to, to lay low a little bit. Okay. So, Ryan, um, please describe for us what you do at Asana without using your title. Uh, I'm asked this question a lot, even with my title. So, I will explain that. Generally, the way that I explain is I help make engineering organizations more effective, efficient, and engaged. And I do that by building systems and processes and tools, uh, all with a focus on improving engineering culture, primarily. Okay. And now there's an obvious question here, and that is how much being a teacher has informed that type of work? Uh, a lot, actually. So I spent just over 10 years as a high school physics teacher, and um, th there's a lot of, of managing other people and influencing with sometimes small, sometimes major like directives to sort of shift the, the organizational culture of something. It's so critical in a classroom, and it's so hard. And I feel like, honestly, if you could do it with 13 and 14-year-olds, then you have a good shot at influencing, you know, people in their 20s, 30s, 40s plus. Like, uh, there's a lot of transferable skills in how you think about getting a group of people to behave in a certain way that's productive and uh, helpful for them as well. So, it's, it's the classroom or the engineering organization as sort of a creature, right, that you are trying to change its, its behavior? Yeah, exactly. It's an ecosystem. It's 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 a system, and there's clear inputs, and um, uh, we have we have more power than than we probably think at setting up people for success. And the the other thing that I think is really critical when you work on organizational change, it's often slow. And I think being a teacher has really helped sort of increase my patience for letting some experiments sort of run over time, and to understand what impact that you're having. Um, I think it's it's really hard in software where you know you 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 have short release cycles and you you can see changes tangibly in front of you and you can measure their impact quickly. 
But with a lot of organizational strategy and design, you, you have to be patient and let things play out a little bit because often the impact is, is latent and it's just inherently harder to, to see. And the same thing is true when you're trying to like influence the trajectory of a 13-year-old's education or life, that it, it takes you know, it's constant nudges uh, to, to get them headed sort of in the right direction. That's fascinating. Um, in the Bay Area, it's said that turnover is, 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 is very, um, uh, you know, fast. And I wonder what that means in, you know, with the, um, uh, processes that you're trying to, to do and, and making people, um, get used to, to new situations and, and new processes. Does it make it harder or easier that turnovers is high? Uh, great question. You sort of led me into this, but I, I think it's both. I think that the um, infusion of newness is always really good. And you can get that newness if you do have, you know, a, sort of a lot of turnover and people coming in, or newness often comes with growth and scale. Um, and th that's great. There's also so much value in, uh, you know, longevity and tenure of individuals. We talk a lot about uh, tribal knowledge that's sort of stored up in your code base and in your culture and how you can kind of make that explicit so you're less dependent on tribal knowledge. Um, the other things are just like the criticality of onboarding and being so deliberately conscientious about the way that your culture is shaped when you have so much change happening. I think it makes, you know, fortunately, um, roles like the one that I'm in more useful and valuable to, to try to help navigate a lot of that change. Okay. And, um, you know, you've worked with for um, late stage startups, right? So, and I imagine in each one of those, you had like this tight group of people that were there from the beginning or at least close to the beginning. And uh, is, do I imagine correctly that this is like a group you need to recruit because they're very important uh, for the culture and so on? Yeah, I think, I mean, if the, the companies that I've worked at have, have always been founded by, you know, engineering and product leaders. And if you look at things like the proportion of engineers in the first 100 employees, it's often quite high, quite high. And then you have some, um, you, you have a number of emerging leaders that grow from that original sort of population. And um, you definitely are. I mean, we are always recruiting. Literally, if you talk to anyone at Asana, we we say we talk about ABR. Always be recruiting, um, <laughs> and um, yeah, f finding the right set of people is hard. And you're constantly competing against the other best companies in the world for the best talent in the world. Uh, and yeah, finding finding people that can thrive. And I, I don't know. Maybe we'll get into this a little bit, but uh, it's really hard to enter a company where there is so much historical and institutional knowledge. Um, and how do you sort of like get up and running and get up and running quickly is just an inherent challenge, especially so a lot of these companies are, um, you know, going through growth. But, you know, Asana's 10 years old. When I joined Dropbox, it was already eight years old. Stripe was already, you know, six, seven years old by the time I joined. So these, these companies have, um, you know, a lot of history that's already there that's worth understanding and hard to understand. Okay, so you, you mentioned onboarding several times, and uh, I know this is something that you've uh, worked on a lot. Um, so in your current role and previous roles, what, um, what was your focus in, in making engineering onboarding better? Um, there's always, so it definitely depends on sort of the scale of the company, but there's, 
there's some foundational sort of cornerstones I think really matter a lot for uh, really great engineering onboarding programs. The first one is the institution of mentorship and making sure that it's culturally valued. I think that's the most critical thing. I, a lot of companies will have you show up day one, you have an onboarding, or onboarding buddy or some mentor who's going to walk you through a checklist of things. Making sure that that role is valued, there's esteem for it, time is protected for it, you recognize mentors are doing a great job. I think that is really, really critical. Um, the other thing, and you know, sort, sort of a hat tip to the whole like swim kind of metaphor here is I think a lot of companies believe that the best way to onboard people is to like allow them to gradually wade into the water and like slowly expose them to various systems. But that's just not the way it works. Instead, like you get people, you drop them into the middle of the ocean and it's deep and you know, you say swim. And so instead, instead of like trying to make them wade in, just make it easier for them to survive when they do jump into the deep end. And you do that by providing them with structure. And I think a lot of onboarding programs that people that I talk to focus on the what, like here's here's what we're building, here's what tools we have, but you really need to explain the why, like the historical context, why we chose this, why we made this tooling decision or this architecture decision, um, how we prioritize, like how do we value things that help influence what decisions we make. I... Um, I, at every single company I've worked at, I've introduced a new onboarding course that is simply called like the structure and culture of engineering. And it's just about like, here's our organization. Here's how we've divided up our teams. Here's who works on what and why. And I think that you need that sense of clarity. And you also need, um, you know, what is the cultural like zeitgeist? What, what are people thinking about and caring about when they join a company? Because every you know, you just suddenly are introduced to this moment in time and, and being able to have that sense of familiarity and understand what people care about. So at Asana right now, I'll give you an example. We are all talking about returning to the office and what is that transition going to look like? Um, how are we going to handle that? Um, th that by far has been sort of like the, the biggest change. We also talk a lot about things like um, the role of titles in engineering organizations and um how we we recognize and celebrate career growth. So having new engineers sort of understand that this is what people are talking about right now can really help them feel a sense of belonging earlier. That that sounds like a lot. And and you know, I, I guess first of all, I agree with with a lot of what you said, and I'm very happy you said it. Um, I think a lot of people hearing this can uh, might think, "Wow, my onboarding process in my company really sucks." And you know, uh, what are the chances if I don't have someone like Ryan that I can make this work? And I, I wonder, is there like one thing, uh, if, if you were visiting for a day uh, in an organization, what's like the quickest fix that would make the most impact that you would start with? <sighs> quickest fix, aside from hiring someone to work on engineering operations to <laughs> maybe not be quick. Um, That's legitimate. I, I think um, I think I want to go back to what I said before about really evangelizing mentorship and making sure that mentors feel supported and that that work matters. Um, you'll see more and more companies that reach a certain size and scale and they, they begin to develop like their their career levels and ladders. Uh, we call it their success guide at Asana and baking into that that mentorship matters. Like this is high impact work. Um, to scale yourself. I think a, a lot of companies typically like focus on recruiting. It's like, help us hire. 
and that's yeah. great. You're going to you're going to multiply your impact by bringing on the next great set of engineers, but also you can multiply your impact by speeding up and accelerating their growth and development. So that's one thing I'd say. The other thing I said is try as best as you can to measure um, and onboarding um, the effectiveness of your onboarding program. And that even if it's subjective and you're asking people 30, 60, 90 days in, like, do you feel like you belong? Have you been able to you know, make meaningful impact? Uh, survey the, the new hire's manager. Set up some structure that will give you a feedback loop to know if what you're doing makes a difference. So set up mentorship and set up some feedback loop by measuring the effectiveness of your onboarding program. I have a question about mentors. Um, so you you can have, I, I'm sure you've met developers that can be awesome developers, but uh, if you ask them to mentor someone, um, they, they would probably do a poor job. And I, I wonder, and maybe this goes to, to you know, uh, the way you think about teaching as well. Are there developers that should never be mentors or can anyone be a good mentor? Uh, that is such a good question. I think I will dodge the question slightly and say that everyone <laughs> can be a better mentor. Okay. And um, so everyone has the opportunity to, to grow and to improve. Um, I, I do believe that um, effective mentorship, it's, it's, it can be based on a system of incentives that help to change people's behavior to value mentorship and that you can learn and grow and certainly it will be harder and more difficult for other people. Um, I think that you have a cultural problem if people don't see the value in mentorship, even if it's not in their skill set and strength. You probably, as a business, um, have very few you know, projects or avenues where someone can work in isolation and deliver complex value in a way that's sustainable to your company, right? If you have that and you have an engineer who doesn't want to mentor or collaborate, and can be this like knowledge silo, then that's okay. But very few places do. Um, you know, software development's a team sport, and collaboration is really critical. And so, okay, so you're yeah. tying collaboration and mentorship together. That's yes. that's a beautiful concept. Uh, so basically, you're saying if if this person can't really mentor, then he he or she probably has a problem with collaborating as well. I'm very sorry we're nearing the end of the time that we have because I feel like we, we could have uh, continued this for hours. Uh, I, last question that I, I do want to ask. So it sounds like you yep. were involved and led a lot of initiatives, uh, very different ones. Um, what are like the one or two that you remember most fondly or are most proud of? I, I feel like I keep hammering this uh, point. And I probably should talk about more diverse things, but mentorship, um, building systems of mentorship. Um, just I take a lot of pride in being a connector and like allowing great people. This, I feel like my ability to multiply my impact is connecting to people that will derive a lot of value from each other. And so building up structures that enable that to happen, uh, making it important. Um, some of the things, uh, are looking at your engineering onboarding mentor and asking people a year later, like who was your engineering onboarding mentor and making them remember that and recall that and not letting the history die. And that culture is built around history. Um, and so there's just so many different mentorship programs that I've put together. I also, you know, firmly believe part of my character and, and being a teacher at heart is empowering other people to achieve their potential. So how do you do that? How do you help? them grow. And I, I think just mentorship is so valuable there. So th that one kind of stands out 
to me as, as something that I've worked on in every place uh, that just feels really high impact and valuable. So it sounds like uh, our listeners, like the one takeaway from this talk would be build a mentorship program if you don't have one. And if you have one, make sure that you're doing a good job there. You're motivating right. Uh, and, and you're, uh, and you're providing enough, uh, uh, time and, uh, and, and context and motivation and so on. Right. I, yeah, that's perfect. It's hard to know where to start. I think onboarding's great. Like it, there's interns, you could look at new grad hires. You could look at sort of the other end of the spectrum with like senior staff level engineers. I like finding a pocket to focus on build out what works, but really think critically about how you are culturally incentivizing that behavior of mentorship because it will pay itself back uh, in time. Amazing. So that's, uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Ryan, thank you very much for coming on. You bet. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you everyone for tuning in and I hope you join us for our next episode. To find additional episodes and full transcripts, or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, find us on our community page at swim with a double M.io. Bye for now.